Welcome to Political Beatdown with Michael Cohen. I'm Ben Micellis. We've got a lot to discuss. First and foremost, Michael Cohen, let's just get right into it. How are you doing, Michael Cohen? Uh, I'm hanging in there. You know, a lot of support from the Brigaders, a lot of support from uh, the mea culpa fans, and really from Americans that really want to see accountability uh, had by the former president, had by his administration, and so many others. Uh, not easy. You know, as stupid and as baseless and as ridiculous as the lawsuit may be, that still doesn't stop the fact that I got served with a $500 million lawsuit from dear old Donald. And, you know, I'll allow you, Ben, you know, if you want, we can go through some of the causes of actions. I don't think it's all that necessary. Like I said, I haven't heard yet one lawyer, not one, turn around and say, yeah, this is really a good idea for Donald to have done. In fact, many are now saying that this was one of the stupidest moves. The New York Times had a great article where they uh, had spoken to a slew of people, all, of course, uh, anonymous, whereby Donald had gone and spoken to a whole group of his lawyers, and the bulk of them, if not almost all of them, said, don't do it. This is going to backfire. But he decided to take the uh, the roll of the dice anyway. I've now uh, retained the services of two lawyers, both of whom are fantastic attorneys, not like you know what Donald is used to getting or hiring. And he's going to get um, taught a real serious lesson on this, you know. So when we last left off, he filed this. $500 million lawsuit. He filed it in the Miami division. I speculated- Southern District that was, of Florida. Yeah, Miami. Yeah, in, in the Miami District, Southern District of Florida. And, and I speculated the reason he did that is because he was trying to avoid the West Palm Beach judge, Judge Middlebrooks, who previously sanctioned him and Alina Haba about a million dollars. And that's why he was trying to go judge shopping. That's one of his tactics that he accuses other people of, but he filed it in this Miami division in the Southern District. Um, so since that time, when we talked about it on the last uh, podcast, which by the way, um, the, the amount of support uh, for you, Cohen. The Brigaders really came out strong. That podcast did incredible. And just the passion of all of the Brigaders and uh, Midas Mighty out there for for you and, and for uh, the fight that you are doing to bring truth uh, here right now is, was just so incredible. So what's happened since then? You've been served. How were you served? You hired lawyers. What are the next steps? Yeah, so I was served. I got a phone call from downstairs at the building that I reside in. And um, I went downstairs and I accepted service of process. Uh, you know, I then reached out to the uh, two lawyers that I have been speaking with. And I told them, hey, look, uh, game on, you know, uh, just got served. I scanned the, uh, what is it, about 20 page or so, 30 page uh, complaint with the attached uh, uh documentation to it, uh, sent it to them. And we are already well um, into a strategy that I promise you, wait till my, look, 
Brigaders always know that just as soon as I'm able to talk about something that they're always the first to know, which I guess is why they enjoy their show as much as they do. But again, let me just thank all the Brigaders. I see that there's still quite there's quite a few uh, that follow me as well on my Twitter handle, which is at Michael Cohen 212. And um, thanks to um what you call Adam, uh, you know, uh, Parkmenko uh, and uh, American Patriots who started this GoFundMe. You know, this litigation is not cheap and it is it's extremely expensive, especially if the intention is to take it to trial. The intention here is not just to um, dismiss it for whatever, let's say, uh, lack of jurisdiction, which I don't understand how this lawyer thought that he would get past that. But the goal is to hold Donald Trump accountable. uh, And that's exactly what we intend to do. So to all of those who have donated on the American Patriot GoFundMe for legal fees only regarding uh, the various different litigations that I am now involved with as a direct result of my former employee of Donald Trump in the testifying before the uh, Danny District Attorney of New York and now with the Attorney General, which we talked about last time with the various uh, subpoenas. I want to thank everybody, but just to ask you, please pass along. When you see those emails, please retweet them, send them out to whoever it is that are your friends, because this is not uh, th- this is not going to be an inexpensive litigation. As sad and as stupid as this sounds in terms of you know, money, this money could certainly go to much better causes like the homeless or those um, who are in need of food and shelter and so on, sickness. But unfortunately, you know, Donald brought this amongst himself uh, and certainly onto himself. And at the end of the day, he needs to be held accountable. That's exactly what everything that I have been doing and talking about time and time again. It is what it is what I constantly keep saying. This is not a revenge tour. This is a tour of accountability. And the man really does need to be held accountable. What's the latest going on with the New York Attorney General? Uh, case with uh, Donald Trump. She's suing Trump, the Trump organization, his adult children. It's a civil case. They're seeking at least $250 million based on Donald Trump's fraudulent valuations. Also, an injunctive relief, which would effectively stop Donald Trump, his adult children, and the Trump organization from doing business in the state of New York for uh, quite some time. Um, uh, I I know that Donald Trump had subpoenaed you for your deposition. Um, I know there was a lot of defects in that subpoena. Um, What, if anything, could you tell us about What's happening there with your deposition? What what can we expect uh, that happens next there, at least as it relates to you? Well, yeah, as I had told you, I received not one but two various subpoenas from Trump counsel uh, talking. Uh, one is asking for my deposition. The second is for documents. It's called the subpoena duchess tecum. Uh, the returnable uh, for the uh, odd test of a condom, which is to be deposed, Uh, That is tomorrow. My papers have to go in. Uh, They will be in uh, on time. You know, there's there's a lot going on here. And you're right. It's a base uh, baseline of 250 million, which is what Tish James is looking uh, for at this time. Uh, Personally, I wish that I was not involved in these subpoenas. I, you know, I get attacked, of course, by the 
right-wing Trump sycophantic supporters all saying that this is some sort of Michael Cohen revenge on Donald Trump. I didn't ask, you know, to be, uh, you know, included in this. This was done based upon my testimony before the House Oversight Committee, uh, as well as my conversations with the district attorney's office. So uh, I will comply to the extent that I am required to by the courts. You know, uh, this is civil, it's not criminal, but one of the things I can assure you is that Tish James knows her stuff and that the case is very real civilly, and it is going to be uh, substantially greater than $250 million. And at the end of the day, I do believe that it will ultimately shut down the Trump organization from being able to do business in the state of New York. You know, one of the interesting developments when you and I were last uh, doing the podcast and Donald Trump was about to be deposed, I don't think at that time we knew whether or not he was actually going to testify. Um, and we had talked about how during the special proceeding, uh, which is the investigation by the New York Attorney General before the actual filing of the civil complaint uh, that was done in September. Donald Trump invoked his Fifth Amendment rights over 400 times. And I think we played the clip even on our last episode. But um, if you... You should play I it believe- 400 times. <laughs> you should, you should, exactly. But you know, the interesting thing here is it looks like this time... Donald Trump did testify for the full seven hours. He may have invoked the fifth at certain portions, but it seems like he did. And it seems like he probably should have invoked his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination, because if you just read this post that he makes, it's kind of incriminating. It kind of proves the point of the case that's being brought. So here's what the post uh, that Donald Trump made right after uh, the deposition, uh, where he brags about giving the deposition. He goes, an interesting day spent with the attorney general and her representatives. I strongly made my points. They are irrefutable. And he puts that in caps. And it is a case that should not go forward. My company and overall value is actually far stronger and higher than shown in the so-called financial statement. The honorable thing to do would be, quote, drop it and spend all of this time, money and energy on fighting violent crime in New York. It would make a big difference and show real strength and courage by the AG. And so it's not a so-called financial statement. It it is his statement of financial conditions that he submits to lenders and tax authorities and to to other government entities and to insurance companies. So they're not so-called. They are his statement of financial conditions. And the very essence of this case is that he's not reporting them accurately. And sometimes if he wants to get a favorable loan, he'll say that the value of his properties are higher. If he wants to pay less taxes, he'll say that the values of the properties are less money. So he here in this post, he's admitting that his so-called statements are not accurate, and he's saying they're far stronger and higher than shown. Well, one of the whole purposes of this lawsuit is that his statements were inaccurate. Unless I'm reading this wrong, which I'm not, it seems like he's just kind of admitting to what he's being accused of. Look, at the end of the day, it's a obvious 
very obvious self-serving statement, right? It should be dropped. It's uh, my the valuation of my company is far greater and it's a far stronger company than all of the lies that we know that we're told. No problem. No problem. There's going to be a trial. Judge Engeron, uh, you know, has made it crystal clear that there is a date set for this trial. Come hell or high water, that date is set in stone. He will be given the same, he's afforded the same opportunities that you, Ben, or I, or any of our brigaders would be afforded if you're going before a court of law uh, at trial. He will be afforded the same opportunities, and that is to prove that the statements that he's saying are true and accurate. Now, I think many of us know that based upon the information that has already been put out there, that that's clearly not true. And there are things, for example, like his apartment, which he claimed was worth $130 or $140 million based upon a price per square foot or $300 million based upon a $10,000 per square foot uh, price uh, along with the fact that the unit is 33,000 square feet. What we know is that nothing in the area, certainly nothing in that building, has traded for anywhere even close to $10,000 per square foot. And more importantly, that his apartment is not 33,000 square feet, but it's approximately 11,000 square feet. So it none of this makes any sense at all, but he could go on his truth social. He could say whatever he wants. He's certainly entitled to that, though I don't think that tweets or posts like this are going to help him when he's being cross-examined by counsel, um, especially you know the prosecutors in this specific case. I actually think it's a very dumb thing for him to have done. You know, and a treasure trove of information now for the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who even now seems like even more of a strategic decision maker here by order by having the order of the falsification of business records going first. He's still criminally investigating Donald Trump for the fraudulent financial valuations. Now he's got a seven hour deposition uh, that he can utilize in connection with that criminal investigation right. as well, which he wouldn't have had um, if the order of the cases were different. I'm not sure if you caught this, Cohen, as well, but Trump finally, after delay, 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 filed his financial disclosures with the Federal Election Commission. And then he proceeded to like yell at the media for just reporting on the numbers that uh, that he himself like filled out. So this was the post that he made. He goes, I just filled a financial disclosure form, which asks very general questions and under which very little can be gleaned. And the fake New York Times just ripped me. They said I had a lot of debt, which I don't. Refused to discuss my great assets or my cash position, which is very big and very underlevered. And of course, always takes a shot at Truth Social, where I'm able to get the word out like never before. And as soon as I speak on truth, the word immediately spreads everywhere. MAGA, well, I think he listed the total valuation of 
uh, Truth Social and Trump Media between five and $25 million. And mind you, when the special purpose acquisition company, Digital World Acquisition Company, was making this acquisition and talked about the merger with Trump Media, they claimed it was a billion dollar merger and that that's why they had to raise all of this money. Um, yeah, I they think somewhere money. along the line, you know, the word in his vocabulary equals lie. If you substitute lie for the, you know, for word, uh, then it makes perfect sense. But at the end of the day, who gives a shit what he writes, right? <laughs> Trust me when I tell you they can have all of this documentation. You could say it's worth whatever it's worth. Right now, my understanding is that the company is on the verge of bankruptcy. They don't even have enough money to stay afloat. Um, we'll see what ends up happening. Maybe Jared will invest some of the Saudi money that he got, you know, into Truth Social to keep them afloat. But then again, you know, who knows what they're doing? Who knows how they're doing? His cash positions clearly can't be great because the guy's out there grifting again, for example, with his NFTs. He's out there sitting you in- saw that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's out there grifting on anything that he can do. I mean, carrying the Liberty Bell. Could you imagine this shit? I mean, it's like one after the other after the other. And again, you know, if these folks are stupid enough to be buying into this, then they deserve these NFTs. Um, I like how in one of his posts, he turned on, he talks about how you know he's able, that everybody's making money off of reselling his NFTs and so on. It's just not true. Anybody that knows this business understands it's not called the market. Uh, you know, somebody has to buy it. When you buy it, the guy who originally sold it gets 5% of the total thing. So it's almost like, uh, you know, you could make money in perpetuity. But these things aren't trading because why would they? There's no value to them. You know, I don't know whether he did or he didn't sell out on the first. I mean, oh, look no. at some of these. Him on a motorcycle, <laughs> oh, no. you know, uh, camouflage again. Oh, yes, the king of hearts. This is a guy <laughs> with, with a massive heart, right? He's Elvis now. I mean, it's really, oh, and, and a chef. I mean, I don't know. Look, you know. This, this is I'm, I'm surprised that he's not choking the lion or Don Jr. doesn't have the lion over his shoulder after he put a bullet in its head. I mean, this is this is just you remember, you may remember when Don and Eric posted all of those photos of their um, safari hunt, you know, with the dead animals and Don holding, for example, an elephant's tail, really despicable sort of shit. But look, um, whatever floats your boat. I don't get it. I'll never understand it. Truth be told, Donald hates guns. That's that's a fact. Donald hates hunting. Uh, it's not his thing. The kids like it. They learn that from their, you know, from their maternal um, grandfather. Uh, it is it is what it is. Again, I don't understand it, but I love the fact that he's there. You know, he's a hunter. He's a warrior. He's a you know a motorcycler. He's a chef. He's I mean, Thank Lord knows what this man is, and it's amazing. It's amazing if you look at it from a psychological perspective and someone like Mary Trump would probably be best in order to sort of evaluate this. But it really goes to show you just how fragile his ego is, that he needs to, you know, put himself into these situations as opposed to, 
for example, using family photos uh, or photos of when he was in the White House or behind the Lincoln desk or things that are legitimate and real instead of, say, a 270, 280 pound Donald, you know, at a svelte 190, you know, 195, uh, you know, 40 years ago, you know, taken uh, off of the way he looks today. He's just that consumed with his appearance uh, that he's putting up these fake trading cards and sadder are these idiots that are buying them for whatever reason. And there's a great one also. I'm sure Salty must have it. But if you buy them all, I think it's like 47 of these, you know, pieces of shit. Uh, you know, you get to have dinner with the with the president. I guess that's got to it's not everyone that buys 47 cards. I'm sure, you know, it's going to be some sort of a raffle. So that's kind of, uh, again, you know, miss, uh, you know, it's misstated. Uh, I promise you, everyone that buys 47 cards is not having dinner with Donald, um, you know, but it is kind of amazing. What are they, 99 bucks a piece? So it's what, $4,700 you know, for, you know, to have dinner with Donald. It's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's a great grift. The guy is certainly the grifter in chief and he does it better than anybody else that I've ever seen. You know, it's the pathology though of a malignant narcissist. It's a pathology of an authoritarian. We've seen them, you know, it's how Kim Jong-un presents himself to his people. That's how Donald Trump wants to turn the United States of America into that style. And and frankly, though, you know, the reason why it is important though we talk about it, you know, in addition to it is important just to to call it out and to just show how weird it is, but like that individual is who the modern day Republican Party says, you know what, we need that person to lead our country again. You know, that person who's making these trading cards of himself as a, as a king of hearts and this person who's, you know, putting him, making himself look like Rambo, like th th this is the individual who we need to make decisions over life, life or death for our family and our friends and ourselves and our colleagues and our coworkers. Like, let's give this guy the nuclear codes. And it is such a dereliction of, um, it's real traitorous behavior. You know, when the, when the Republicans, it's the ultimate gaslighting that they're like, let's make this person in charge. Even after all we've known about him before and how disastrous it was, this person, let, let's put him in control. And speaking of which, those MAGA Republicans went to New York City. You've got Jim Jordan and, and his whole crew of MAGA Republicans. They came to Manhattan to further interfere with the Manhattan District Attorney's uh, criminal case against Donald Trump. They held these really bizarre hearings, but I thought the Democrats did uh, just an incredible, incredible job. Um, and I want to talk about that. I want to show some of the highlights of Democrats pushing back. And I want to get your reaction just to this further despicable uh, interference by uh, these MAGA Republicans in the House of Representatives with a local prosecution. We'll talk about that right after this quick break. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Fume. Cold turkey, it may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your wacky neighbor or some sketchy message board. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume, and they look at the problem in a different way. 
Now, not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses all natural, delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. The first time I used fume, I was shocked at how flavorful and fresh it tasted. Now, it's easy to hold and perfectly balanced and quite honestly, extremely fun to fidget with. The real wood material and sleek design definitely classes it up and I feel pretty darn cool holding it. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories. And there's no reason that can't be you. Head to tryfume.com and use code BEAT to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's tryfum.com and use code BEAT to save an additional 10% off your order today. We're back with Political Beatdown. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Michael Cohen. And so Jim Jordan and his band of fascist, lunatic, MAGA Republicans decided what they wanted to do was to hold a hearing in Manhattan and try to cherry pick some incidents of crime in order to try to shame the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg uh, in support of Donald Trump as part of their efforts to uh, interfere with uh, Alvin Bragg's ongoing uh, criminal prosecution of Donald Trump. Like, let's just talk about just some of the facts, though, to begin with. Like, in a recent study, New York City and New York, it's ranked uh, one of the top five safest big cities in America. Cleveland, which is right next to Jim Jordan's district, ranked as the seventh most dangerous city. Also, the largest city in Jim Jordan's district, Mansfield, has a significantly higher crime rate than New York City. I think the nickname for Mansfield is actually Danger City. Um, and then the Kevin McCarthy Bakersfield, where Kevin McCarthy is the member of Congress from the nickname for it is Killing County. I executive produced that doc with Colin Kaepernick, which we highlighted what was going on in Kevin McCarthy's district. But you get a chance to watch some of the, the highlights I and did. the lowlights of this. And as yeah, a New Yorker, I, what, I what do you think about that? I, I did. It's, it was a disgrace. It's a waste of taxpayer dollars. It's a waste of New York dollars. Don't forget, because you had members of Congress that are here in coordination with the New York Police Department. Look, one of the things that I will forever say is, New York is not the place to come to if you want to get stupid because the New York New York Police Department is the best in the world at dealing with stuff like this. They on a regular basis they deal with parades. Thank God everybody is safe. They deal with um dignitaries coming, you know, every single year for UNGA, United Nations General Assembly. We have constant, constant dignitaries coming, or, you know, the president, of course, the former president is, you know, is here back and forth uh for these types. 
New York police officers don't play. All right. They came here and their sole purpose was to disrupt. What right does Congress, do members of Congress, unaffiliated to New York, what right do they have within which to start to play these sort of ridiculous games in order to put, to put pressure on the district attorney of New York um, to what, potentially drop the charges that a grand jury has given the thumbs up for an indictment? Is it also to try to intimidate or harass uh, our unsinkable Attorney General Tish James in her case, along with like the ridiculous truth social posts that Donald puts up that she should immediately drop it? This is, this is the Trump playbook. Sadly, He's an old dog and there are no tricks. There's no new tricks here. So everything that you're seeing him do in the past, he's just doing again and again. It didn't work before and it's certainly not going to work now. So again, it's just a waste of everybody's time. I will say that he had more people here, uh, Jim Jordan and that group with Matt Gates and the rest of them. They had more people, uh, supporters of Trump here than when Marjorie Toilet Green, uh, you know, showed up with uh, George, whoever, whatever his name is today, Santos, um, which I thought was interesting. My, I had heard from a few people, and I don't know it to be true, but it is what I had heard, is that they were busing them in from various different places, whether it was Staten Island, Queens, or parts of Brooklyn. So, you know, if that's true, okay, no problem, all, you know, all the best to them. But if they thought that they were going to effectuate some type of a change uh, in the determinations of whether it's the DA of New York or the Attorney General of New York, obviously they failed and they failed miserably. And the point that they were trying to get across was certainly lost on their theatrics. And I thought the Democratic members of Congress who did show up, even though it was a sham hearing, the Democrats showed up and they pointed out that it was a sham hearing. I want to play this clip first of uh, Democratic uh, Congress member Jerry Nadler, who's the ranking member of the Judiciary Committee. This is him slamming Republicans uh, during the hearing. Let, let's, let's play this clip. Let me be very clear. We are here today in Lower Manhattan for one reason and one reason only. The chairman is doing the bidding of Donald Trump. Committee Republicans designed this hearing to intimidate and deter the duly elected district attorney of Manhattan from doing the work his constituents elected him to do. They have demanded access to the inner workings of an ongoing criminal case, information to which they know they are not entitled. They have subpoenaed a witness who used to work for the district attorney, whom they know cannot answer their questions. And they have earned a lawsuit that risks future congressional oversight as a result. They have perpetuated the anti-Semitic and racist tropes that Mr. Trump has directed at both the prosecutor and the judge in this case. They are using their public offices and the resources of this committee to protect their political patron, Donald Trump. It is an outrageous abuse of power. It is, to use the chairman's favorite term, a weaponization of the House Judiciary Committee. I do not know if Mr. Trump will be found guilty I do not suspend, know. Suspend. The gallery uh, should refrain from commenting and let the gentleman from New York finish his statement. Is recognized. I do not know if Mr. Trump will be, will be found guilty by a jury of his peers here in New York 
or for that matter in Georgia or in Washington, D.C., on charges that may follow, but I do know that he will have his day in court. Using this committee to undermine that process as it unfolds is cynical, unethical, and given the violence unleashed in, on the Capitol by the former president, just plain dangerous. Now, we all grieve for the victims of violent crime here in Manhattan and everywhere, but it is shameful that the Republicans of this committee would use the pretext of violent crime as an excuse to play tourist in New York and bully the district attorney. And it is particularly disgraceful that they would use this pretext after doing nothing, nothing, to stop the gun violence, the terror. And Congress member Jerry Nadler is from the 12th Congressional District, which includes uh, areas in lower Manhattan. I thought he summed it up great. You know, look, we want to have serious conversations about crime generally. Like, Congress is capable of doing that. If we want to have serious conversations about weaponization, and you've talked about this before, Congress is capable of doing that. But that is not what you are doing here. You are doing a performative stunt in service of Donald Trump, and you're just spewing propaganda on this field trip. Well, who knows Powerful more words. about, Ben, who knows more about the weaponization of the Department of Justice right now than I? I mean, that's my entire book, Revenge, is all about it. It's all about the Trump administration and the weaponization of the Department of Justice against his critics. You know, last night I was on Joy Reid and we were talking about it. And it's, it's, it's really a shame because Jim Jordan truly has an opportunity to help the DOJ to reestablish its reputation uh, in the eyes of the vast, vast majority of Americans. I think there was a survey that came out that 70%, 70% of Americans, that's not Republicans, that's not Democrats, that's all Americans believe that the Department of Justice uh, is you know, has significant faults. There's also a very significant poll that came out about the Supreme Court as well, and that they their rating uh, in terms of uh, trustworthiness is at an all-time low. Could you imagine that as a democracy that we don't believe in our Department of Justice, that we don't believe in our Supreme Court justices? This is a real, this is a real problem. And Jim Jordan has an opportunity as the chair of that subcommittee on government weaponization to have and to try to do something that would help to restore their tattered uh, image. But he doesn't want to do that. This is all about going after Joe Biden, going after Hunter Biden and so on. Well, if in fact Hunter Biden did something wrong, then he too should be looked at uh, by uh, inspector general. He should be looked at by this committee. I'm all for it. All right. It's called accountability. But so far, all I keep hearing about, and I hear this also from friends of mine, I'm talking about like highly educated people. What about Joe Biden? What about Hunter Biden's laptop? And I say to him, what the fuck about it? What about it? Show me one thing right now on Hunter Biden's laptop, other than him, you know, in photos with, um, prostitutes or doing drugs. The guy has a drug addiction. Who here watching us right now doesn't know somebody that has a drug addiction? All right. I think every single person in this country knows somebody. And at the end of the day, 
that's fine. And I feel sorry for them as a family. But show me what on that laptop is indicative of a crime. If there is, let's look at it. But that doesn't mean that you turn around and every time that you try to bring up the weaponization of the Justice Department under the Trump administration, by and through the bloviated asshole Bill Barr, who for some reason is constantly now on CNN, which I don't understand, show me one thing on that laptop that he should be investigated for. And why is it that whatever it is that they keep alluding to, despite the fact that it's not been shown, why should that negate whatever the weaponization by Donald Trump and his administration uh, over the course of his four years? It obviously should not. And this is where I get so frustrated. And it's extremely frustrating when you're trying to argue with somebody that's not arguing facts. They're just arguing regurgitation of bullshit, misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. And that's that that shit's just got to stop right right now. Otherwise, um, I really don't even know what's going to end up happening to us as a society. You know, and that's why, though, when the MAGA Republicans try to get Democrats in these debates with these kind of manufactured issues, I always say from a messaging standpoint, just don't even don't even take the bait. Like when MAGA Republicans lie about CRT and all of these things that are not taking place, you know, just call them out and just say, all right, you're being a fascist. You're being a racist. Here's what you're doing. You're just completely lying about it. No one's teaching CRT in elementary schools. And can we just shut that down? And can you shut up? And can we start focusing on what Americans actually care about and then pivot and actually start talking about the issues that Americans actually care about, right? Americans want their kids and their family members to have access to great education and access to lower prescription drug prices and access to healthcare and to great paying jobs. And let's just talk about the issues that Americans that Americans uh, care about. And, and, and there was kind of a, a two-tier uh, two attack going on in Manhattan, right, by these MAGA Republicans. On the one hand, you had Jim Jordan, who was holding that field trip visit that we just covered. And then you had Kevin McCarthy speak at Wall Street. So he went to Wall Street and basically talked about how he and the MAGA Republicans were holding our economy hostage and refusing to pass a clean debt ceiling bill. In the past, Democrats under Trump, even though Democrats detested and rightfully so Donald Trump's budget priorities, Democrats didn't mess with the debt ceiling. Clean debt ceiling bills passed when Democrats controlled the House of Representatives. No preconditions, no nothing. The full faith and credit matters, okay, because we don't want our economy to be completely in shatters if you don't raise the debt ceiling. And the debt ceiling, it's not forward-looking. It's about paying the bills incurred from past administrations. And 25% of our debt that we need to raise the debt ceiling for of all debt in American history came from one person. It came from Donald Trump when he put forward tax cuts that he really couldn't pay for. And so 25% of, of that is from Donald Trump. So what does Kevin McCarthy do? He goes to Wall Street because there's nothing that Wall Street likes more and the markets like more than being held hostage over the full faith and credit of America's ability to pay back its debt. And so Kevin McCarthy has these tired talking points that he gives where he goes, it's like giving your child 
a credit card and they ask you to and they they overdraw it and then you they ask you to raise the limits it's like that no it's it's not like that at all but watch what happened here when the CNBC reporter was like what are you talking about Kevin McCarthy here play this clip and think about it a debt ceiling is like giving your child a credit card and they charge the limit all the way up would you just raise the limit no, you would well, sit Well, the down. men playing with America standing at fa- full faith and credit of U.S. government debt, but if, I feel if like you can continue- deal with the spending in other ways, oh, which really? is totally so, legitimate. So if you just raise the debt ceiling, do you think $31 trillion of debt, the CBO has come out in the next 10 years, do you know we'll pay 10.5? You did it three we'll times in the Trump 10- administration. As we did economic changes. We never raised the debt ceiling by but itself. But the tax cuts, that was like $2 trillion and you deficit. Know what? He goes, I mean, he goes, it's, it's beyond stupid. First of all, Trump is responsible on that 31 trillion for, I think it's one third. I mean, he was, he raised the, the debt in this country more than I think it was all presidents, right? Uh, combined over like the last, uh, you know, 100 years. It's, it, I, I, listen, at the end of the day, they're not going to allow, and they can't allow the country to fall into default. It would be an absolute catastrophe if the Republicans did that. They already have enough problems. I mean, this jerk off. Oh, it's, uh, uh, would you give it? To-? Of course, you would give it to your kid if the if the result of not raising your kid's credit limit was going to mean that they would be on the street or that they would be in default. Of course, you're going to. You know, as and. You're not talking about your kids here. You're talking about the country. First of all, it's not his money. It's our money. It's the money that we pay in for the taxes. Uh, into this. The bottom line is they all need, you, you know where we can get some money from? Let's get some money like the $640 million that Jared and Ivanka pulled down during their four years as senior advisors in the White House. Maybe we turn around, we ask them for the $640 million to help to deal with the debt ceiling. The whole thing is so stupid. Maybe, you know, we turn around and we go for the $2 billion that Jared ended up picking up from the Saudis. You know, I mean, what more do they want from from Joe Biden? Look, I have been very clear. There are things that I very much like about the Biden administration. And then there are things that I don't like at all. But that's the way it's supposed to be. And you may remember, I've said this on the show before. Ed Koch had the greatest saying of all time, which is if you agree with me six out of 12 times, you should vote for me. If you agree with me 12 out of 12 times, which is what these MAGA morons, these fucking maggots are doing, you should see a psychiatrist. And that's the truth. Nobody is going to agree with you 12 out of 12 times. Look, there are things that I may do or say that some of you know our political beatdown uh, followers, our brigaders, that they... Um, may not agree with. That's okay. My hope is that you agree with me at least on half of what it is that I say. And think about this from a logical perspective. If you agree with every single thing that I said, that's a real problem because <laughs> look, we may be from different areas. We have different ideologies, different you know thoughts on, on certain things. Um, that's normal. And maybe what you like the most about me is you could be a one position um, voter where, you know, it's all about, for example, women's rights to choose. Uh, I, I promise you this, at the end of the day, if Republicans fuck with the debt ceiling, 
Couple that with this anti-woke nonsense that they're doing. Couple that with the disastrous Roe v. Wade uh, determination and now what they're trying to do with Mephepristone and so on. There will not be another Republican voted in except in these uh, you know, super ultra red states. Anytime that there's going to be a purple state, uh, it's certainly going to go blue. And that'll be on them. I want to show you President Biden's response to that Kevin McCarthy trip. And I also want to talk about this Dominion defamation case, which is currently uh, the trials taking place as we speak. And a special master has actually just been appointed to investigate uh, Fox's suppression of evidence in that case. So while the case is taking place, you've got a special master appointed. Fox has to pay the bills and the special master has full access now to all of uh, Fox and how they conducted discovery and all of that. Let's talk about that. But first, let's take a quick break. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Lomi. Now, I've never been able to compost before. It was always too complicated, too much work, and frankly, I don't think I even knew if I was doing it right. Then I got a Lomi. Lomi allows me to turn my food scraps into dirt with a push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns scraps to dirt in under four hours. There's no smell when it runs, and it's really quiet. Thanks to Lomi, I have way less garbage each week. My family, we're down from three bags per week to just one. And here's something cool. My wife, she recently started gardening and we've been able to use the scraps of dirt to help fill her garden. And since I got my Lomi, I throw out way less garbage. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. I feel so great knowing that I'm composting and creating soil instead of waste. I have a basically limitless supply of dirt for my garden. The other week, I had my in-laws over for dinner, and the food cleanup was a breeze. Plus, they think I'm super eco-conscious now. If you want to start making a positive environmental impact, or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash beat and use the promo code beat to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash beat. And use promo code BEAT at checkout. Food waste is gross. Let Lomi save you a cold trip out to the garbage can. And now, back to the video. Welcome back to the show. We're live here on Political Beatdown. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by my co-host, Michael Cohen. We talked about how President Biden responded to that Kevin McCarthy trip uh, where Kevin McCarthy went to Wall Street and uh, essentially just talked about holding this country hostage. Now, he wasn't going to pass a clean debt ceiling. And McCarthy did say that he would definitely keep on fighting for Trump's uh, tax cuts for the billionaires, um, which is one of the main reasons that the deficit ballooned in the Trump administration because there was there was no way to there was no way to pay for it. And, you know, they, they always talk about trickle down economics, trickle down this trickle down this. If you just give the billionaire just just extra benefits, by the way, Cohen, you and I both agree. In America, I, I'm okay with people making a lot of money. I, I'm perfectly okay with By the way, that's my called, only that's view is that capitalism. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm good with it. Let, but let, under let, no just, circumstances, okay. under zero circumstance, should a billionaire pay less in taxes than the people that you know, than his driver or his chef or his housekeeper or anybody else. They should pay a fair amount. What they've managed to do is to use their billions in order to, you know, 
hire these various different accounting firms, figure out how they could borrow money, which of course is when you're borrowing it, it's non-taxable, but then they get to use that money for their own lifestyles and and so on, whereby they avoid paying tax. It's, it's a loophole and it's a loophole that needs to be, you know, remediated immediately. It's just not right. All you're doing is you're taking away uh, money from, you know, the coffers of the government. And the worst part is while they're all in competition to see who's going to be highest on the list, right? The Forbes list, the end of the day, it's so much money. I mean, it's so much money that they can't actually figure out how to pay uh, or how to spend that money in 10 lifetimes. And, you know, look, many of these billionaires are extremely, extremely generous. Don't get me wrong. Like you, Ben, I have no issue with people who have done incredibly, incredibly. I wish it upon all of us. They they donate wings to hospitals. They, you know, they're very philanthropic, uh, you know, in a multitude of different modalities. But at the end of the day, government still needs to run. And, you know, look at the number of billionaires that all left New York for Florida because they don't pay city and state tax. It's a it's going to be ultimately I see it as a problem for New York especially the fact that uh, I don't think that our administration here uh, understands what's needed in order to properly balance a budget uh, and to ensure that we don't end up losing, you know, quality of life and services. Well, you know, I think it's important, though, in terms of any administration, though, it's like, wh what are your priorities? And one of the things that I think is important that President Biden set out, though, is that his priorities are, are workers. His priorities is that the way to really spur economic growth is to make sure you focus on the people who are who are working in the economy. Let's make sure there are better paying jobs. Let's make sure there are more jobs. Let's make sure we improve working conditions. You know, and that's been the priority versus Kevin McCarthy's priority and the MAGA Republicans' priority is how can we make sure that the billionaire gets ten jets instead of five jets, um, and how can we make sure that they don't pay taxes on any of of those jets or they could defer taxes on uh, on it and then you know roll over into the next acquisition of more jets and then you know and then continue this kind of you know ponzi scheme if you will of not paying taxes in perpetuity um but here this is what president biden said in response to kevin mccarthy's visit here let's play this clip folks we know there's more to do and yet yesterday the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, went to Wall Street. He did not tell the wealthy or the powerful on Wall Street that it was finally time for them to start paying their fair share of taxes. That didn't come up. <laughs> Other than say they're going to renew the $2 trillion tax cut. Anyway, I won't. <laughs> Instead, he proposed huge cuts to important programs that millions of Americans count on, millions of middle-class, suburban, as well as inner-city folks. He threatened to become the first speaker to default on our national debt, which took over 230 years to accumulate. He threatened to be the first one to default on the debt, which would throw us in a gigantic recession and beyond, unless he gets what he wants in the budget. Folks, you've got to ask yourself, 
What are MAGA Republicans in Congress doing? Because this is not your father's Republican Party. This is a different deal. You know, the two presidents that warned, warned most directly against playing with the national debt were Ronald Reagan. He spoke very, very passionately about that. And he came forward. And anyway, I won't. But, you know, why are they doing this? What, what, what's the purpose? The speaker talked about limited spending, which sounds good. And by the way, I was able to cut the deficit by $1.7 billion in two years. You know, we play a lot of these clips of Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And like, I do like having a very normal, <laughs> a very normal president who, who, I mean, you watch that. I mean, it was, it was a great speech. He hit on a lot of, a lot of just important points and talked about, you know, look, we've cut the deficit. That's what we've done here. Yeah. But then you hear from the Republicans, the exact opposite. He's, he looks old. He looks tired. Uh, you know, he's not fluid on his, you know, on his feet. And these are just the things that they see. They don't care about what he's saying. They don't care about what he's doing. For them, they're basically following the Trump mantra, which is all about what? It's all about appearance. It's all right. Like Donald Trump tries to exude an appearance of strength and and uh, as a fighter or as a cowboy or as a, you know, as a, as a, an astronaut or whatever else in these NFTs. That's the appearance that he's trying to show and then attack Joe Biden claiming, oh, look, he's old and so on. And I can't tell you the number of people that are falling for this shit. They do not care. The fact that Joe Biden has accomplished more in his first two years than Trump did in four years. In fact, he accomplished more in the two years than Trump could have done if in fact he had won and he was in for eight years because nothing that there were there were no policies that's the problem donald trump had no real policies it was all about again kowtowing to the you know tenth of one percent richest in the country and knocking down things like the epa or the fda and so oh well, these groups that they interfere with businesses ability to make money yeah well you know the fda actually does other things too and so does the epa considering we have a world right now an earth only one place that we can live in right which right now is seeing some pretty drastic flooding and pretty drastic climate change just take a look at what went on in fort lauderdale the other day fucking fort lauderdale was underwater i mean you're seeing garages with cars just floating down the street this is fort lauderdale the airports were closed down which then you know has a ripple effect across the entire country because fort lauderdale is a major international hub i mean people don't understand nothing stands alone anymore everything is interrelated our economy is interrelated it's a global economy whether it's russia with the oil venezuela with the oil saudi arabia with the oil china with its you know with its products its cheap products that are imported the fact that she can't even get a cargo container anymore uh for a reasonable price everything is incredibly expensive and as a multiple expense. So everybody's trying to figure this all out. But at the end of the day, this uber class of wealth, they just managed to make more and more money because that's the way, you know, the Trump administration 
had allowed certain things to go on. And, you know, good for Joe Biden. It's good for Blue taking back this country, you know, one election at a time. It's why you know how often, Ben, you and I keep saying vote, 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 and vote. That's the single most important thing that you can do. Get active, vote, join an organization, make sure that not just your vote is counted, but make sure your presence is felt. Uh, Take somebody to the polls with you, do something in order so that we can get rid of these, you know, these um, dirtbags that are just trying to, you know, take advantage of the system for themselves. No doubt about it. And I'll just give a final update on the Dominion trial, which is now underway. Opening statements uh, are taking place. The uh, trial judge, Eric Davis, uh, it's happening in Delaware Superior Court, uh, is not allowing any live tweeting, has not allowed cameras, no electronic devices in the courtroom. I think a Fox PR rep had brought uh, an electronic device and started text messaging and was called out for it and I think kicked out of the room when she was caught. So there are no cameras, there's no audio, there's no live tweeting. So unfortunately, we don't know much about what's going on. We do know that Stephen Shackelford, an experienced corporate lawyer, is repping Dominion, uh, is giving the opening statement for Dominion. Um, Fox has hired a trial lawyer, Dan Webb. Dan Webb's giving the opening there. I mean, you're talking about two of the kind of biggest heavyweight trial lawyers out there going head to head. It's just a reminder to all the brigaders. The judge has already ruled in favor of Dominion uh, partially, um, uh, granted a partial summary judgment um, that the jury will be instructed uh, that the statements made by Fox are false. So all Dominion's going to have to prove is that Fox acted with actual malice, meaning did Fox engage in the conduct of spreading these false statements intentionally and or with a reckless disregard for the truth. The falsity has already been proven before the jury's even been seated. Jury selection has been completed. Opening statements are now underway. As soon as we learn from you know individuals who we've, we've been speaking to in the courtroom, once they're out, we'll provide a full update on what took place. One thing that we do know, though, is that a special master has officially been uh, appointed by the judge. Uh, The special master will be investigating uh, further misconduct by Fox during the discovery process of not turning over documents, not turning over records, um, suppressing evidence, lying about the corporate uh, relationships between the entities, lying about Rupert Murdoch's position, claiming Rupert Murdoch was not an officer of Fox. Fox News, but just held an honorific position when he actually was an officer, which carried with it certain discovery uh, obligations. Um, And so that's taking place while trial is going on. So there'll be trial lawyers in the courtroom and then actually trial lawyers outside of the courtroom now that will be engaged in these discovery battles. And uh, Judge Eric Davis reserves the right to further sanction Fox if more misconduct uh, is found. And it seems like Fox was hiding the ball a lot, suppressing key evidence, suppressing audio recordings of pre-interviews on these shows where uh, administration officials, former administration officials from uh, the Trump campaign and Trump administration would basically admit that they were lying um, before doing these interviews with Fox hosts um, and and more. Although um, there could be another update as we are uh, talking about whether or not um, a settlement was reached or not. 
Um, but we will uh, be updated on on that to see if a uh, settlement was reached. And so we are now getting word literally <laughs> right now while we are live that uh, Fox and Dominion uh, have reached a settlement. Let me try to gain more information about that. But one of the things I talked about, Cohen, um, is that a lot of cases do settle at the courthouse steps. And I gave an example on the Midas Touch podcast with um, uh, with, uh, with my brothers, and I gave the example of the John Travolta movie, A Civil Action, where they settled right, in, right as opening statements were given. Um, there's no info right now on this settlement. I always thought Fox was willing to write a very big check, but that the issue would be whether or not there would be a statement. But there's not a lot of info. But what's your response, knowing that a settlement has been reached? And, Look, you know, I think it's a big problem, by the way, for Fox. Um, I'm my look. I'm not worried about the 1.6 billion dollars from Fox. My understanding from things that I've read is that Fox has about five billion just sitting in the coffers for shit like this. Let's not forget, Dominion is not the only lawsuit that's out there. It's a $1.6 billion lawsuit, but there's another one that's out there, a $3 billion lawsuit by Smartmatic. So this opens up a Pandora's box to showing that Fox News uh, Corp is, you know, that they're going to have to be willing to accept the responsibility and the accountability of what transpired during um, you know this time period uh, post the election, and you know, my, I'm really more curious to see how Rupert, as the CEO of Fox, uh, how he ends up handling things like dealing with the Sean Hannitys of the world, the Tucker Carlsons, the Laura Ingrahams, the whole group of uh, hosts that continued to perpetuate and regurgitate the lies. Uh, th this organization needs a complete overhaul. First of all, the fact that people still watch it, knowing that the that the host of the show is blatantly lying to you, the viewer, to me, I don't understand. Why would you watch something when you know that the person is lying to you uh, based upon all of the documentation that has come out? And that documentation is definitely something that could easily be used in the additional cases that are out there, including, for example, that Smartmatic case. So this is a big problem uh, financially for Fox. Fox will survive only because Rupert Murdoch and Fox News Corp is that wealthy and they're that powerful. But at the end of the day, this is a great day for truth. Uh, you know, rest assured, I've been on the receiving end of Fox News's lies early on. You may remember when it was Prague or the Compromats or any of the other bullshit that they just went on and continued to promote because it benefited Donald. Love to be able to get some of those documents. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm glad that uh, this happened for Dominion. And I'm glad for the rest of us that now accountability and truth prevailed. I think, well, I, I want to see what the settlement terms are, if it's confidential. I'm certain it'll be confidential. There's no um, doubt because of all of the other litigation that you know will emanate from this decision. I'm pretty sure that it'll be kept secret. 
Well, we will keep everyone updated as soon as we know. It was just interesting as we were covering that topic, the news actually had just just broke. Like as we were bringing up the topic, it went from opening statements and jury selection to a settlement has been reached. Um, I'll try to gather more information on that for a future hot take that I'll be doing here on the Midas Touch Network. Everybody, make sure you get your hands on Cohen's book, Revenge. Um, it is incredible. So wherever books are sold, buy Revenge, get the audio book, get both. It is uh, absolutely incredible. Um, check out store.midastouch.com for the best Midas Touch gear, including the official Maralardo Correctional Facility Mea Culpa podcast shirt. Um, if you like this podcast, also subscribe to Mea Culpa, Michael Cohen's other podcast, which is also produced by Midas Touch, Audio Up, and uh, Michael Cohen. It is a great, great, great podcast, and we do the videos here. We drop uh, every Saturday uh, the new Mea Culpa's um, video but you can get the audio during the week when they're when they're released during the week. It's 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 a great show. Um, and for those uh, on here as well, uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. It is free. And to all the brigaders out there, just do me a favor. If you are watching this just on YouTube, please, after this is done, subscribe on audio as well. So wherever you listen to audio podcasts, please just search Political Beatdown. Subscribe there. It's free and it goes a long way to help. If you just listen to this on audio, um, then go to the YouTube channel and subscribe to the Midas Touch YouTube channel. It's very, very, very helpful that you subscribe on all platforms. Thank you so much for watching this. As always, Cohen, enjoy doing these with you. Thank you to all the brigaders. Beat down. And shout out to the Midas Mighty. <laughs>